Welcome to Talking Beat, the podcast for the Portland Police Bureau. We're focusing on thoughtful conversations that we hope will inform and provide you with a small glimpse of work performed by Portland police officers, as well as issues affecting public safety in our city. Here's what's on today's show. You know, most charities have office hours, you know, 8.30 to 5 or whatever, but the police do not have office hours. It's 24-7. They're in the community, uh, and they're, they're who shows up when there's a 911 call. And so oftentimes there's crisis and poverty associated with that, and our tools, which are food and clothing, uh, I think really come in handy. The Portland Police Sunshine Division provides free emergency food and clothing to people in our community. We want to take a closer look at this longtime agency and find out why police are involved and how people can access its services. Talking to me today is Officer Matt Toby, who acts as liaison between the Portland Police Bureau and the Sunshine Division, and Kyle Camberg, Executive Director. So first, we're going to make it really clear that Portland Police Sunshine Division is a separate 501c3. That's a nonprofit that provides emergency food and clothing to those in need in our community. But it acts independently of the Portland Police Bureau, and we're still partners in many ways. So Matt, right out of the gate, why is it the Portland Police Sunshine Division, and why are officers involved? You know, that's because it was actually started by police. It is part of the Police Bureau's DNA. Uh, officially, it started in 1923. However, you know, years before that, it started with officers on the street who just recognized, just like we do today, people who need a little extra help. Um, they saw families who didn't have shelter, didn't have food, didn't have sufficient clothing, and so they started to take up collections for that. And they were able to go to local vendors and purchase some of these items or give it to them themselves. And that's really how it started. It's simply a way for police in the early 20s to make connection with the community because they saw the need. And that's kind of the core mission is still the same, even though it's not part of the police bureau specifically since around 1963 or so. Um, it is still very much a part of the police bureau culture and who we are. So Sunshine has an amazing history, and there's photos of Fred Meyer. And yes, for people who haven't lived in Portland their whole life, there actually was a Fred Meyer and our former commander, um, Bud Lewis, uh, who ran the Sunshine Division in the 60s. And Kyle, you made history too. You are <laughs> the first executive director after several years of a sergeant running the division. And as Matt talked about, I know the agency has evolved. So now present day, let's talk about where the sunshine's at and what you do. Yeah. So this has been uh, as a, you know, to use a term that's thrown around the police, I'm I'm a civilian. I'm not employed by the city. Um, I've got about 20 years experience in nonprofit management and fundraising. And I got hired to work with our small civilian staff, but also thousands of volunteers and closely with the liaison from the Bureau, who's now Officer, Officer Toby for that, was Officer Phil Kent. And it's such a neat experience to be part of something that's been around for almost 100 years and really be a caretaker of that tradition. Um, where we're at today is really on an exponential growth curve in that uh, since the recession, we're serving more than two times the amount of households that we did back in about 2010. Um, we've added a second facility um, over near David Douglas High School in East Portland. And so we have two buildings, essentially, that approximately 20,000 households are going to come to in the coming year 
for free emergency food and clothing. And they're going to shop in these facilities that are basically a food pantry and a clothing room that's not that dissimilar from uh, like a Goodwill. But of course, everything we do is at no cost to those families and individuals in crisis. So we've really grown a lot in the last decade and that need just continues to skyrocket. So it's it's something we're there to respond to with these resources. And then uniquely, I get to work with Matt and that's always an interesting conversation piece for me is uh, a couple days a week, I've got an officer in our office, and Matt is a connector to the community in so many unique ways. He's been able to bring Sunshine Division and our services to so many organizations that we would never, ever had a chance to connect with because, you know, most charities have office hours, you know, 830 to 5 or whatever, but the police do not have office hours. It's 24-7. They're in the community, uh, and they're, they're who shows up when there's a 911 call. And so oftentimes there's crisis and poverty associated with that. And our tools, which are food and clothing, uh, I think really come in handy. And I think Matt would agree with that. Yes, let's talk about that, Matt. How do officers access uh, Sunshine Services, or how do they act as a conduit? Uh, we have food boxes at all the precincts and most of the contact offices, probably 20 or so out of the who knows how many contact offices and rest stops we have. Uh, those boxes are, you know, 35 to 40 pounds of non-perishable food. And so police can take those at their discretion to anybody, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, people can also call the non-emergency line and... This is what makes it really unique. They can actually call, again, any time of day, day or night, um, holiday, weekend, whenever, and an officer can actually bring them a box of food directly to the house. And so not only does that provide a connection, you know, and, and there's some immediate food relief, but it also creates a bridge and um, helps our community understand that we are, you know, much more than just law enforcement officers. We are able to help them with some of the most uh, important base needs. So we also have officer referral cards, and those are simply little business cards that all of us can carry. And we can throw a name on there, and we can give them to really, again, at our discretion, whoever needs it. And that gives a person the opportunity to go down to one of our warehouses, either the one on Thompson or the one on East Side on Stark. And they can present that there, and they can come out with a you know as much food as they can probably carry. And that will get them much further ahead than a simple box of food, but it's something that we have, again, that we can use all the time. And uh, they can simply, again, come down and, and use our resources at our, at our warehouses. And from that, also probably be able to connect with additional resources that we have there, including clothing and uh, uh, more visits than just that one time. We work really closely with a number of Portland Police Bureau members. And sometimes I get those calls directly. And often when that call comes through, it's something that is extremely tragic. And again, as a person who's not in law enforcement and doesn't work for the city, those aren't situations I'm really accustomed to being in. And frankly, those are really impactful to me and things that stay with me. One story that really stays with me to this day was there was a family, it was a refugee family from Southeast Asia. They had fled uh, religious persecution. They had made it to the United States. Um, number of children and parents living in a small apartment, and uh, one of their children actually drowned at the end of summer. And of course, the response to that is, you know, EMTs and police and firefighters. And the very next morning, we had a few of the officers that had responded in our warehouse, and they were sharing the story with me of what had occurred. There's this family with small children. They're new to this country, and they already have lived through a number of traumatic and horrific experiences, and yet here's another barrier. And these Portland police officers and these EMTs and firefighters are responding to this. 
and they know that it's right around Labor Day time, and they know that these kids that are now surviving yet another trauma in their life are going to be going to school. And so we were able to not only get food for that family, but also get gift cards for Fred Meyer so that the officers who responded could take those children school clothes shopping um, because they obviously had financial needs as well. You know, while it's a very polarizing topic in the media, the very simple fact is that these families have a very short amount of time to acclimate to living here in the Portland metro area. They have a lot of barriers. They have language barriers. They have cultural barriers. Oftentimes, getting good, stable family wage employment is really difficult for those families. So basic needs like food and clothing are going to be tough. Then you layer in that a lot of these families are coming from war-torn countries or places where they've been persecuted, so they're dealing with trauma as well. So providing, again, that basic need of food and clothing and having the delivery mechanism be a police officer that's trying to help them assimilate, I think, is an amazing partnership. You don't, you won't see that anywhere else. You won't see another charity that is providing a resource and then a police officer is connecting to a population of people who've already had tremendous barriers and will continue to have a number of barriers. Um, so I'm really proud of that because, again, with our nor- a normal charity with eight to five office hours wouldn't connect to those families. They wouldn't know how to find us. We wouldn't know how to find them. We're making a huge impact with these families. So I'm, I'm really proud. It's one of the things I'm most proud of. We're able to get to people who would not know how to access the services that we offer, which is, which is amazing. Yeah, I think that's really one of the greatest benefits of the Sunshine Division because food is cross-cultural. It gives us an instant way to make a connection with somebody, especially a refugee community and our immigrant community. There's so many times where, you know, where they've come from or where they've been, you know, their relationship with law enforcement was really quite poor. And the Sunshine Division gives us the tools to make an initial connection and helps us remove some of those barriers really strip away some of these misconceptions that we may have of each other, really, and helps us to become, honestly, friends. It's been amazing how many times I've been able to present someone with food or with clothing, and it's so unexpected and so unusual, and yet they receive it with great gratitude, and it helps. It it changed me. It changed my life, really. It's helped me to to see people differently, to recognize uh, the humanity in really everyone, and, uh, you know, Sunshine Division has given me the tools to do that. And, and what a great way to help welcome them to our community, to help them understand that we are here to help them, to help them become comfortable with our culture, with our city, and especially with police, and to help them understand that we really are here to help and protect them and to provide them with a safe place to live. In addition to the refugee population that you're talking about, who else accesses Sunshine Services? So the number one demographic that comes directly to us at our two locations are families with children. Oftentimes, these are are working parents. A lot of times, it's single moms. That's by far the number one demographic of who comes to the Sunshine Division. And I get that question a lot. And really, it's changed dramatically over the last eight years I've been there. Eight years ago, we were sort of digging out of the recession still. Um, you saw a lot of people whose employment might have got blown up or affected or you know negatively impacted by the recession. Now you fast forward to where we are today. Unemployment's really low, but the cost of living has just grown exponentially in Portland when you see rent costs that have, you know, gone up 
double digits for four or five years straight for people. The cost of healthcare has gone up. Just existing in this city uh, on one income becomes really, really difficult for a lot of families. So the families that are working and are struggling to get by who are check to check are the number one demographic. But it's not just families with children. Uh, we see a lot of senior citizens that are on a fixed income. We see a lot of individuals who've had a health crisis or on disability as well. And we see a lot of veterans' families, too. Um, unfortunately, there's a huge population of Oregonians who've been deployed uh, to oftentimes to the Middle East. And those you know, families, when that member of the family comes back, to, oftentimes there's, there's barriers to employment, there's health barriers. Uh, there's a lot of different things going on. So we see a wide array of people, but the number one common denominator is it's people who are in a time of crisis who are struggling to get through the month and they need a little help with their basic needs. They need a little help, a little assistance just because this month's check isn't going to cover all the bills. And so we can hopefully knock out that real basic need of food and clothing for people so that that's one less thing they have to struggle and worry about. So we've talked a lot about food, but as you mentioned before, Sunshine also provides clothing. So tell me how people access clothing, Kyle. Yeah. So in our two facilities, in addition to food pantries, we have also have these spaces that are run by volunteers where we have gently used clothing available uh, to the families in need. Oftentimes we'll have, you know, real basics, jackets, coats, hats, blankets, um, you know, things of that nature. So that again, a family that's coming in to get a grocery cart full of food can also hopefully get themselves outfitted with a, you know, appropriate clothing. And the big one is anyone that has kids knows that, you know, every, it seems like every two and a half months, your kid grows out and is into a new size of shoe or a different jacket. And so children and outfitting children is often the no, the number one uh, thing we're doing there. And so those are just free resources at each facility. And then additionally, we have this great program that started back in the 1980s called Izzy's Kids. There was a woman named Isabella Hoyt who thought it would be a great idea to start a program where we raise funds, we raise money specifically so that we can pair low-income kids with a police officer. Fast forward to today, uh, nearly 500 kids throughout the year will do our Izzy's Kids, or better known as Shop with a Cop. We do a huge event every summer. We had 275 kids out from about uh, half a dozen different social service organizations this summer. And then additionally, throughout the school year, we have about 20 slots a month that get utilized. And that's, you know, frankly, where Matt comes in extremely uniquely handy to that because he's connected to so many different people, whether it's school resource officers or just cops that are responding with, to families in crisis so that we've got that tool, which is essentially a gift card, so that a, that a police officer can, can help out a family with, with school-age kids to go shopping. So anyone who ever has been to shop with a cop, the, the big event that you were talking about, really an amazing experience. It's controlled chaos with police officers with um, some professional staff members running around with kids. Everybody's trying to calculate math in their head. The kids are trying on things in the aisles. And it's, it's a really fun event. And so that, and then combined with an officer just taking a child shopping, the child involved gets a lot of school clothes and, and much needed supplies. But how does it impact you, Matt? You know, first of all, it's a lot of fun, honestly. You know, the, the big event in August is controlled chaos. And it's so fun to see all the kids and all the officers and others there to help us out. But really, it's the one-on-one. -on -one. You know, like today, for instance, I'm taking two kids from high school to Fred Meyer this afternoon. And I'm taking a kindergartner also um, from another group. And, you know, spending an hour or so 
with a kid that you may have come across or, you know, not know very well um, and helping them shop for clothes, it, you know, at first it's kind of awkward, honestly, um, especially if, you know, I'm over 50 now and I'm trying to pick out or help a 16-year-old girl pick out clothes. It's a little weird, I guess, for both of us. At the end of the hour, as we talk and as we kind of get to know each other, um, it's a lot of fun. And, and it, you see the change in their countenance and, um, you know, this maybe a little bit of uh, timidness, you know, they become more friendly. And same way with me, you know, it's like, okay, I've, I got to know you a little bit. And, you know, our understanding of each other may have changed. And, you know, sometimes our parents will come. So I get to talk to their mom and their dad or whoever happens to come with them. And through those conversations and through that contact, you know, we really become friends. And, you know, it's it's fun because maybe I'll see them later on and say, hey, Officer Toby or whatever. You know, it's nice to have that connection. And I think it really helps provide the kids with a positive view of officers. And, again, I don't know how much more I can really emphasize the food and clothing are important, but it's really how we make those relationships that's really important. And those things last much longer than a simple visit to Fred Meyer. But we're able to then also connect to all these other social service organizations, whether that's with Multnomah County, uh, whether that's with Jewish Child and Family Services, Islamic Social Services of Oregon, Boys and Girls Club of the Portland Metro area. So we're reaching out to all these other organizations to help identify kids. And it allows us really and interact with all these other organizations that are doing great work, which I think is really important because no one entity can can solve poverty. No one entity can solve hunger. Sunshine Division, we work with police officers daily. We work with uh, well over 100 other social service organizations. We uniquely work with various city bureaus, county agencies. And so um, it's just another way that we're, we're working together with a wide array of people and organizations you know, to do what we all want to do, which is which is help families and help kids. So we're going to take a little turn now and talk about the Holiday Food Organization, which I know is uh, talk about controlled chaos. That's tell me a little bit about what goes on in the holidays, Kyle. It's one of the things I'm most proud about about Sunshine Division and what we're able to do. And again, you talk about nearly a hundred year old tradition that started in the 1920s. So some some quick stats, I guess I would say, is number one, um, between Thanksgiving and the Christmas holiday, we will produce about 4,400 of these, um, about a 40-pound box of food. In addition to that, a reusable grocery bag that has frozen turkey, mashed potato stuffing, bread, and usually dessert. And so we're, we're able to make sure 4,400 households get essentially... Uh, all the food that they would need to provide a very large holiday meal, whatever that holiday is that you personally celebrate. In December, over half of those meals are actually home delivered by volunteers. A little different than 1923 when people were on foot with baskets of food. We actually use our two facilities and two police precincts to be delivery hubs. So traditionally for the last decade or two, the Saturday prior to Christmas has been called delivery day. And so this year, approximately 22, 2300 of those meals are going to get home delivered by volunteers, by police officers, by friends and families of police officers, and in some cases, people that have been volunteering at the holidays uh, longer than I've been alive. We, we mentioned former officer Bud Lewis, who's 99. He comes out and helps build the boxes every year. He started that in the 1960s. And here he is uh, many, many decades later still helping us. And so it's a, it's a Portland tradition. It's part of the DNA. It's something we'll always do. 
the the new wrinkle or what's changed in the last couple of years is that in addition to those 4400 meals that are going out over about a month a month's time we actually are also working with Safeway Albertsons locally to make sure over 20,000 uh sort of the deli to go frozen turkey meals get out to the community. And this is another way we partner with a wide array of other social service organizations. And so we're going to make sure 20,000 of these meals go out in bulk. That's everything from local schools, faith-based organizations, other other governmental agencies, um, other food-related charities and food banks around the metro area, and then some social service organizations that have nothing to do with hunger relief but are just trying to do something special at the holidays. So a great example is we work with Virginia Garcia, which is a Latina health clinic out in uh, Hillsborough Cornelius area. Well, generally speaking, they're they're healthcare organization, but at the holidays, they want to make sure that uh, some of these low-income families that they work with they're able to get a holiday meal. And so for many, many years, they've received approximately 100 of the boxes. And so there's well over 75 of these organizations that access these meals, and we provide those completely free, $0.00. If they can get a truck to our warehouse, we load them up, and that's about as complicated as, as, as it is. Let's just be clear, that's not just the holidays that, that you work with these organizations and you let them access food. That's correct. So um, in addition to what we do at the holidays, which is massive, it's the biggest sort of bulk distribution that we do throughout the year, we also distribute approximately $2 million worth of food and clothing throughout the year to over 50 social service organizations. That's everything from, say, a pallet of peanut butter to uh, bulk clothing or emergency food boxes that we've prepared in the warehouse and then are giving to those other organizations to help people. Um, And again, probably the most important of this, none of that ever costs any of those agencies a penny. Everything that we distribute to an outside organization or to an individual that comes to us is always 100% free of charge. So what I really think that is cool about Sunshine is how you guys honor your tradition. And and I love hearing the holiday stories, but um, we're going to talk about another holiday event that actually wasn't a tradition, and that's Winter Wonderland. Tell me a little bit about that. So a little over four years ago, we uh, were able to access a grant from the Murdoch Trust, which really was the the seed money to be able to take on and become the owners of the Winter Wonderland Light Show. Uh, It had been around for about 20 years out at Portland International Raceway. We had been a charity that was a part of that, but a for-profit entity owned the event. And for those that don't know what it is, it's you know it's a two mile raceway which turns into not a raceway in the winter because it's cold and wet and you can't race cars when it's raining sideways. But what you can do is set up two miles of holiday lights and you can charge admission to the public, and that's exactly what we've been been doing for the last four years as now the owners of this light show. It's a holiday light show. There's everything from you know Santa Claus to you know to dinosaurs for the little kids to driving through the wreaths and Matt, your personal favorite. Favorite is of course uh, the the disco tunnel. I know I like, you t- I know you told me that yeah, one I like time. The disco tunnel. Um, the lights that go. So it's two miles. You're in the comfort of your own car. It's you know it's a very affordable family entertainment. And as we all know, in Portland in December, uh, the weather can be a little dicey. So you're in your own car with something ho- hopefully warm and and uh, 100% of the proceeds from the event go to the Sunshine Division so we can provide those those free re- resources we talked about earlier. And it's become our largest fundraiser. So it's been a huge success. We've had record attendance each of the past four years, and it's, it's a hit. 
Okay, Kyle, I'm glad you mentioned donations. I'm going to let you give your plug here for a minute and tell me a little bit more about uh, donations and how they're used. Yeah, so number one, we are a 100% donor-funded organization. And what I mean by that is we are not funded. uh, We are not a line item for the city. We are not federally funded. 100% of our operations happens because people like you and I and companies and grant foundations are, are able to believe in what we do and fund us. And so whether that's donating food, donating clothing, or de- donating your money, we have to go out and essentially raise those those funds every year to make sure the operation continues to grow. Something I'm very proud of about the organization is uh, Charity Navigator, which is a which is a watchdog. Essentially, it's the Better Business Bureau for nonprofits. Does actual auditing of thousands of nonprofits every year uh, around the globe, not just domestically. And we have received their four star rating eight years in a row. And the four stars is their highest rating. There is no five star. Um, and approximately four percent of the charities. That that they have ranked can say that. So we are extremely fiscally sound. We are uh, very, very good with the resources that are donated to us. We are nothing if not grassroots and efficient. And we make sure that the the greatest amount of, of your dollar that's donated is going towards our mission. Actually, over 92 cents on the dollar that is donated to Sunshine Division goes directly towards our mission. And I think that's what really speaks to a lot of our donors and volunteers is how efficient we are. Uh, we operate out of an 80 plus year old warehouse that was not meant to be a food bank. Um, it is it is a very lean operation and we get a lot done with, with a little. And so tell us where we can donate, Kyle. Yeah, it's very simple. Sunshinedivision.org. You get to our homepage, there's a big button that says donate. And like I said, over 92 cents of every dollar that is donated to the Sunshine Division goes directly to our mission of providing free emergency food and clothing. Uh, We are a charity navigator, four-star charity. So you can feel good knowing that any contribution, big, small, or in between, is going to go directly to providing free emergency food and clothing here in the Portland metro area. Okay, well, we have some traditions of our own at Talking Beat, and that is we ask all our guests, what's your favorite donut? Matt? Uh, holy cow, can I, just one? <laughs> uh, you know, Maple Bar's a classic. It'll never go out of style, so Maple Bar's are the best. I was going to ask if that's allowed, because technically not a donut, but yes, Maple Bar would, would be my would be my <laughs> go-to as well. Thanks for being here, you guys. Thank you. Want a rewarding career? Consider joining us and becoming a Portland police officer. We have a competitive starting wage and bonuses. We provide an opportunity to advance your career and work in a variety of specialty units. Visit joinportlandpolice.com for more information. Thanks for listening to The Talking Beat. Do you have a question for us? You can call and leave us a message on our dedicated voicemail line at 971-339-8868 or send us an email to talkingbeat at portlandoregon.gov. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. More episodes can be found at our website, portlandoregon.gov slash police slash podcast. Yeah.